So we've reached Surah Al-Kawthar. And the first thing we want to talk about with relation to Surah Al-Kawthar is the Sabah Nuzul. The reason for which the Surah was revealed. And I think that there is no uh, disagreement that the Surah was revealed because of one or more people describing the Prophet as Al-Abtar. Who described him this way? This is where the narrations are maybe not as strong, but there is a narration from Ibn Abbas that it was Al-As ibn Wa'il who passed by the Prophet وسلم, at the entrance to the masjid and when he sat with the nobles of Quraysh, they said to him, who were you speaking to back there? And he replied, he said, abtar. I was speaking to that abtar. So the question is, Al-Abtar here is obviously a negative word. But what does it mean? Al-Abtar, it means the one who is maqtu' who is cut off. Who is cut off. And specifically the one who is cut off from good. The one who has all the good from them has been cut off from them. But the question here then comes... Why would people from Quraysh describe the Prophet ﷺ with this term? They, they had a number of, of, of uh, horrible names and terms that they would call him. We know they said Sha'ir, he's a poet, a Sahir, a magician, Majnoon, that he's insane. Uh, that they said that he is. Mu'allam, he's being taught what to say by somebody. But why Al-Abtar? What was the reason behind it? What is said in this is one of two reasons. They said that he was, he would, the Quraysh used this slur and this, uh, this name towards him because he didn't have any male offspring. And his male offspring passed away and since we're talking about the time in Makkah then this refers to uh, to uh, Al-Qasim and to uh, Abdullah that the Prophet and they said that this was revealed after uh, Abdullah passed away and so Quraysh used to use this term for the one that doesn't have any male children and they used to say that this person is cut off from good. And we know that they, what they used to believe about daughters, that they used to believe that having a daughter is uh, a disgrace, like an ihana from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that this person has been disgraced or this person is of a low uh, position. 
And they used to consider that the one that doesn't have any male children has been cut off from, their, from, from inheriting people, in, someone inheriting from them, and so on, and someone who's going to carry on their name. And so they use this word as a slur, as a, by, me, by way of name calling, al-abtar, the one who is cut off. It's also said that it referred to the followers of the Prophet that the rich and noble and powerful members of Quraysh were not among his followers. And that among his followers were the weak and the needy and the poor. And for that reason, they said that they, they labeled him Al-Abtar, the one who is cut off from good. The one who is cut off from good. So it said, as we said, uh, there is a narration that it was Al-As ibn Wa'il that said, Al-Abtar. It was this Abtar, this one who is cut off, meaning the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And in the same narration, it said, They used to call the one that doesn't have any male children, Al-Abtar, the one who is cut off. He's cut off from having his name uh, carrying on through his male uh, offspring. So Allah Azza wa Jal sent down this surah. As for the specific story, this needs some research as to its authenticity, but the actual concept that it was revealed in response to them using this against the Prophet ﷺ, this is clear from the surah itself. The wording of the surah makes it clear that this surah was revealed in response to those people who used this term for the Prophet ﷺ. And the first ayah and the last ayah have a link in this way. Because if we go back to the linguistic meaning of Al-Kawthar, Linguistically, Al-Kawthar is Al-Khayrul Kathir, a huge amount of good. And so linguistically, Al-Kawthar is the opposite, not quite the opposite, but it's in terms of completely contrasts with Al-Abtar. It's a complete contrast because Al-Kawthar uh, comes originally from the Kaf and Sa and Ra from which we get the word kathra and kathir. It's a huge amount of good. So even linguistically, the first ayah and the last ayah, it, is a complete, it completely destroys what Quraysh said about the Prophet ﷺ. We have certainly given you al-kawthar. Linguistically, before we talk about what Al-Kawthar is here in terms of the ayah, linguistically in the language, Al-Kawthar is Al-Khayrul Kathir Al-Azim. This huge amount of good. So they are labeling him Al-Abtar, the one who is cut off from good. And Allah says, we have certainly given you, or I have certainly given you Al-Kawthar. I have certainly given you a huge amount of good. And then in the last ayah, in Nashani Abtar, the real one who is Abtar is the one who hates you. That is the one who is maktur, who is cut off from all good, is the one who hates you or hates the religion that you brought. We're gonna to come to the last ayah later on, but you get the contrast there. Quraysh 
say about the Prophet that he's been cut off from good, either because his followers are du'afa, they are weak and they are poor, and they're not rich and wealthy. And that is the sunnah of Allah with the Prophets in the beginning of, the, of their call. That in the beginning, the first people to follow the Prophets are the poor and the needy. And then later on, the rich and the wealthy follow when the call becomes wider. But generally speaking, generally speaking, there are exceptions because some of the early companions were among the wealthy nobles and so on. But generally speaking, the followers of the prophets and the messengers, generally speaking, were from among the, the poor and the needy. Or because the Prophet ﷺ did not have male children that lived and inherited from him. Allah Azza wa Jal says that we, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Inna a'tainak. We have given you al kawthar And as we said, al kawthar is a huge amount of good, a vast amount of good. But the al kawthar which is mentioned here, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam himself made tafsir of what it refers to. And this is an example of Tafsir al-Qur'an bis-sunnah Making the tafsir of the Qur'an Through the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam And the hadith uh, Is narrated by Muslim in his sahih From Anas radiallahu anhu That he said Baynama nahnu inda nabiyyi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam While we were with the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam When he the revelation overcame him. He, he, he became unconscious through the revelation. Then he raised his head and he was smiling. We said, what makes you laugh, O Messenger of Allah? We know when the Prophet وسلم, used to laugh, he would only smile. He wouldn't make the noise of laughing. He said, a surah has been revealed to me. فَقَرَأَ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ إِنَّا أَعْطَيْنَاكَ الْكَوْثَرِ إِلَىٰ آخِرِهَا Then he read, بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ إِنَّا أَعْطَيْنَاكَ الْكَوْثَرِ We have given you al-kawthari. ثُمَّ قَالْ أَتَدْرُونَ مَا الْكَوْثَرِ Do you know what al-kawthari is? So here we have a linguistic meaning, which is a great amount of good. And that linguistic meaning contrasts with al-abtar, which is what they accused him of being. He said, do you know what al-kawthar is? We said, Allah and his messenger know best. This is a phrase that the Sahaba would typically say when Allah had given the revelation to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the meaning of this is not to equate the knowledge of the Prophet ﷺ with the knowledge of Allah. That's not the meaning of the statement. But the meaning of the statement is Allah has revealed to you the answer. So Allah and His Messenger know best. He said, it is a river that my Lord has promised me which has much good in it. And it is a pool which my nation will come to 
on the day of resurrection. So now the question is, in this hadith, and the hadith continues, in this hadith in Sahih Muslim, there are two things that are referred to as Al-Kawthar. There is a river in paradise, and that river is mentioned from the hadith of Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhumah, and the hadith is with Imam al-Tirmidhi in his jami' that he said, Al-Kawthar, that he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Al-Kawthar nahrun fil jannah. Al-Kawthar is a river in Jannah. Its two banks are made of gold. Its two banks are made of gold. And its bed that it runs over, the, the, the uh, I think you call it the bed, the river bed, where it runs over, is Turwa uh, al-Yaqut, is uh, pearls, not pearls, uh, is uh, what do we call Yaqut? Rubies. Okay. <laughs> Get the word in a minute. Rubies uh, that it, it runs over. And a Tirmidhi said about it, Hasanun Sahih. That it is Hasanun, Hasanun Sahih. So here, this uh, hadith again refers to it, pearls and rubies. I knew pearls were in there. Also, pearls and rubies. And a Tirmidhi said it's Hasanun Sahih. Here, Al Kawthar is referred to as the river. But in the first hadith, which is the hadith of Sahih Muslim, it's referred to as the river as well as the Hawd. So, how do we join between these two? Is Al Kawthar the river in Jannah? Or is Al Kawthar the pool that the uh, Ummah of the Prophet will come to? So as for the second, uh, the second one, then this is also mentioned in uh, numerous uh, authentic ahadith. Which the Prophet ﷺ spoke about the Hawd. But the question is, how do we join between this, uh, it being the Hawd, or it being the river. As is in the first hadith of Sahih Muslim where it joins between the two. It joins between the two. It is to say that the Hawd is fed by the river from Jannah. And this is mentioned in some ahadith that the source of the Hawd, of the pool that the Ummah will come to, Yawm al Qiyamah. And that when they drink from it, they will never be thirsty again. Is that this hawd, it comes from a source. And one of the sources that it comes from is it comes from the, the river called Al-Kawthar in Jannah. And so it can refer to both of them. Both of them, since they both come from the same source. Or one comes from the other. And Al-Hafidh ibn Hajar in Fath al-Bari, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said something similar. He said the apparent uh, meaning of the hadith is that the hawd is, is, near, to the, is near to the river uh, and that the source of the water from the, that fills the hawd, 
that the, the Ummah will go to on the Day of Judgment, the source of that water is from the river which is known as Al-Kawthar. And by this we can join between the two and we know that Al-Jam'u, Awla, that joining between two texts is more, uh, is, is more deserving than leaving one of them aside and taking the other one. So both of them, and in the Hadith in Sahih Muslim, it seems that the Prophet returns both of them as Al-Kawthar. Because he said, It is a river that my Lord has promised me with a great deal of good. And it is a pool that my Ummah will go by on the Day of Judgment. And both of them are called Al-Kawthar, since they both come from the same source. And Allah is best. Here we can also say, we can also say that the relation of Al-Kawthar to Jannah, or the way that Al-Kawthar is mentioned as, as a river in Jannah, also indicates that when we will truly see the, the huge amount of good that was given to the Prophet when everyone will bear witness to that is Yawm Al-Qiyam. That is when everyone will bear witness to the truth of what the Prophet brought and everyone will bear witness to the huge amount of good that he has been given. And one of the examples of that is Al-Maqam Al-Mahmud, the praiseworthy station when the Prophet will intercede for the judgment to begin on the Day of Judgment. And on that time, everyone will praise him from the Muslims and the non-Muslims. Everyone will mention him in a good way. And so it will be seen, Yawm Al-Qiyamah, the khair that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prepared for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and indeed for the ummah of Islam after him, all of that good will be truly seen Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Even though it can be seen in this dunya from the truth of Islam and the revelation that has been given to him, it can be seen, but for everyone to witness that and for everyone to testify to it, it will be Yawm Al-Qiyamah that it becomes clear on the Day of Resurrection that all of the good was given to the Prophet and to the Muslims. And whatever the Prophet was prevented from in this world, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prepared for him what he has not prepared for any other human being in terms of the pleasures of paradise and the station in paradise that no one else will be given. Here, I want to see if I can, I'll try to bring you the quote from Sheikh Muthaymin, rahimahullah ta'ala. Here, there, is a, there are two ibadat mentioned. But before them is mentioned the fa, fa-salli. Fa-salli. The fa here, it indicates to do something immediately. To do something immediately. So Allah Azza wa Jal is telling the Prophet said, we've given you this huge good. We've given you this huge amount of good. Among this huge amount of good is this river in paradise and this pool that is dedicated for the Ummah of Muhammad on the day of resurrection. So pray. So pray. 
i.e. show your gratitude to Allah through prayer and sacrifice through a salah and a nahr which is sacrifice there are a few things that we need to take from this particular ayah there are a few things that we need to take from it first of all the point here that I was going to quote to you uh, the Shaykh said, فَالْجَمْعُ بَيْنَ الصَّلَاةِ وَالنَّحْرُ يَكُونُ جَمْعًا بَيْنَ عِبَادَةٍ بَدَنِيَّةٍ وَعِبَادَةٍ مَالِيَّةٍ He said, that there, is, there, is, there are two ibadat mentioned here. One of them is a physical ibadah that you do with your body, which is the prayer. And the other one is a financial ibadah that you do with your, with, with your money. It's an ibadah that you spend upon, you, put, you purchase a sacrificial animal and then the animal is slaughtered and the meat is distributed. That is an act of, primarily an act of, a financial act of worship. So both kinds of worship are mentioned here. And the other reason that they're mentioned or another reason that they're mentioned is that these are two of the greatest acts of worship that a Muslim can do. The salah and sacrifice. And this is why Allah Azza wa Jal mentioned them at the end of Surah Al-An'am when Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala said قُلْ إِنَّ صَلَاتِ وَنُسُكِ وَمَحْيَايَ وَمَمَاتِ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ لَا شَرِيكَ لَهُ وَبِذَلِكَ أُمِرْتُ وَأَنَا أَوَّلْ مُسْلِمِينَ Allah Azza wa Jal said Say indeed my prayer and my sacrifice and my living and my dying are for Allah Lord of the worlds. Meaning that when we pray, we only pray to Allah. And when we sacrifice, we only sacrifice to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the issue of prayer and sacrifice are issues where a lot of the, where the polytheists particularly would uh, perform to other than Allah azza wa Prayers to other than Allah, to their idols and statues, and also acts of sacrifice to other than Allah. And so making your prayer and your sacrifice for Allah Azza wa Jal alone is one of the most fundamental symbols of Islam. And in, these are both from the Sha'air of Allah Azza wa Jal. ذَلِكَ وَمَنْ يُعَظِّمْ شَعَائِرَ اللَّهِ فَإِنَّهَا مِنْ تَقْوَى الْقُلُوبِ Allah Azza wa Jal said in Surah Al-Hajj that whoever shows venerate, whoever venerates shows whoever venerates and honors the sha'air of Allah, the symbols of Allah, فَإِنَّهَا مِنْ تَقْوَى الْقُلُوبِ This is from the taqwa in your hearts, that you show that significance and that honor and that respect to Allah's, those symbols that are symbols of Islam. And this, in Surah Al-Hajj, the symbol that is being spoken about is sacrifice. The symbol that is being so, spoken about is the, is the sacrifice. But both the salah and the sacrifice are from the big symbols of Islam. The things, the sha'ir of Islam, by which Islam is known and distinguished from other things. How is Islam distinguished? Two of the major symbols of Islam, by which Islam is known and by which Islam is different and, and seen to be different, is the sacrifice and the salah. There is something else mentioned about the sacrifice, which is different from the salah, 
or one small point, and I think it's worth mentioning here, on the difference between the salah and the sacrifice. Is that the salah, when you look at it, you can clearly see the Muslim prayer as being different from any other kind of prayer. You can clearly see that the prayer that the Muslims pray is different from any other kind of prayer. And there's nothing that makes it confused with any other kind. It's very different from how people of any other religion pray. It's very distinct and different. But the sacrifice is something where it is what is in your heart and your intention that, that is the only thing that differs because you can't easily see the difference between the sacrifice of someone who sacrifices an animal for Allah Azza wa Jal and those who do not. Yes, the mentioning of Allah's name is, that is true, but it's not immediately obvious when you look at the person. And that is mentioned in a hadith in which one of the companions said to the Prophet ﷺ that he had made an oath to sacrifice an animal in a particular place. And the Prophet ﷺ asked him two questions. He said, was there an idol? Was there an idol that used to be worshipped in that place? He said, no. He said, then was there an Eid from their ayat? Was there a day or a place where they used to go and the mushrikeen, they used to have an Eid on that day? He said, no. So then the Prophet said to him, oh, go and fulfill your oath and sacrifice in that place. Here there is a difference. The reason the Prophet asked him so many questions about this was because if he were to go to that place and sacrifice an animal in that place and it used to be a place where the idols were worshipped it's not immediately clear what the difference is between you as a Muslim and between the people who used to sacrifice the animals there to the idols it's not clear the same distinction was not made with regard to the salah which is why we talk about is it permissible to pray in a place that used to be for example a church it used to be a church and it was converted. Yes, it's permissible because our salah and their salah, there is no confusion between it. Whereas the sacrifice, it's not immediately clear. Unless the person is standing over and you see, they hear you say Allah's name when, when the animal is sacrificed, it's not immediately clear the difference between the sacrifice which is to Allah and that which is to other than Allah whereas with the salah it's extremely clear so you could also say that there is a joining here between one which is very very clearly distinct and unique and one which the thing which makes it unique is it's from the what's in your heart and likewise in Surah Al-Hajj when Allah mentions that it's not the blood and the it's not the meat and the blood which reaches Allah. But it's But it, what reaches Allah is the piety that comes from you. And so on. So this is just an interesting point in the joining of between the salah and the sacrifice. Pray to your Lord and sacrifice. إِنَّ شَانِئَكَ 
Indeed, the one who hates you. And the one, the people, those who hate the Prophet وسلم, are of two types, or can be divided into two types. There are those who hate him shakhsiyan, they hate him in himself. They had a hatred for him in, his, in, in who he was, in what he did, in him personally, a personal hatred. And there are those who had no personal hatred for him, but they have a hatred for something that he brought in his sunnah and something that he brought from his guidance, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So the people that had a personal hatred for him are very few in reality. And maybe the more scary thing to consider are those people who had a hatred for something that he brought. For example, when Allah Azza wa Jal mentions in Surah Muhammad, I think in Surah Muhammad, That's because they hate something that Allah sent down, so Allah rendered all of their deeds worthless. So this is a very serious thing, that the person who is described as Shani Aka, the one who hates you, could be of two types. Someone who had that personal hatred for the Prophet ﷺ. We mentioned Abu Lahab. We mentioned the wife of Abu Lahab. Like Abu Jahl. The people from among the nobles of Quraysh who had a personal hatred of the Prophet ﷺ Because of his message and his religion that he brought. Because they didn't have that, that hatred of him until he proclaimed the religion of Islam. And we, we heard already the story of Abu Lahab. When the Prophet said that I'm a warner before a punishment which is severe, and he said, Is it for this that you you brought us all for this? May you perish. But they said things about the Prophet, some personal things. They said things about his personality, they said things about him, they said things, they called him names. But it's not only them that fall under this ayah. Also under this ayah are those people who have a hatred for something from the sunnah of the Prophet And this is where I think the greater danger lies. Because it can even be that some people from among the Muslims can come close to this. Because sometimes our first reaction when we hear something, we don't check did it come from the sunnah or did it not come from the sunnah. Our initial reaction is, oh, I don't this is not right, or this is dhulm, this is oppressive, or this is something that... And we didn't check. Whereas our reaction should be, first of all, when we hear something about Islam, that we first of all go back and we check, is that from Islam or not? Is it from the sunnah? And no doubt there is nothing in the sunnah that a person could hate. But sometimes what happens is people are quick, especially in these times when so many ideologies exist which contradict Islam, that people are quick to jump into something and to, to say something about an issue which later pro is proven to be authentic from the sunnah of the Prophet And in reality, the one who hates the Prophet or hates his sunnah and his guidance, this person is the one who is al-abtar, the one who has been cut off from all good. Because the only good 
is in following the sunnah of the messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And this is what you can take from the end of the ayah because if you reverse the understanding, if the one who hates the sunnah has been cut off from good, then there is no doubt that the only good that exists is in following the sunnah of the messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And whoever turns away from that has turned away from all good. And this also leads us to an, the importance of giving the Prophet wasallam his rights, his huquq. And the rights of the Prophet wasallam can be summarized in two, uh, or between two things, as being between two things. First of all, that as the Prophet of Allah and his final messenger وسلم, he was the best of mankind and he said وسلم, I am the best of the children of Adam and there's no pride in that there's no boasting because it's a fact that's why there is no boasting in it it's not a statement of boasting there's no I'm not boasting that factually he is the best of Bani Adam. And the closest of them to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the most beloved of them to Allah azza wa And as the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he has the right to be obeyed. He has the right to be obeyed. But where we have to be careful that we don't fall into is worshipping him instead of Allah and that's why he وسلم, said do not exaggerate with regard to me like the Christians exaggerated with regard to Isa ibn Maryam so say that I am Abdullahi wa Rasuluhu I am the slave of Allah and his messenger the slave of Allah so he's not worshipped and the messenger so he's not disobeyed and that's what some of the scholars said when they said this they said Abdullahi fala yu'bad. He's a servant of Allah, so he's not worshipped. Wa Rasulullahi fala yu'sa. And he's the messenger of Allah, so he is not to be disobeyed. So if you give him his right, it is that you give him the highest position of any of the ibad of Allah Azza wa Jal from the children of Adam and among the, yani, among the children of Adam and the jinn that you give him the highest position. Because he said, Adam. I am the master of the children of Adam, the best of the children of Adam. But that doesn't reach to the level of an act of worship being given to him instead of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you obey him and you don't disobey him. And that's what's required by him being a Rasul. We can expand on this concept of Obedience on this concept of the rights of the Prophet ﷺ in a different way. And that is that some of the scholars, they spoke about the rights of the Prophet ﷺ as being three. As it relates to saying that Muhammad ﷺ is Rasulullah, the Messenger of Allah. They said his rights are three. Ta'atuhu fima amar, wa tasdiquhu fima akhbar, wa an la yu'badullah, wa an la yu'badallahu illa bima shara'ah. Three things. Number one, that you obey him in what he commanded you. And that includes commands to do and commands to leave off. 
both. So it includes his commands to do something and his prohibitions. You obey him in following what he commanded and staying away from what he prohibited. That's the first one. Secondly, that you believe in what he told you. Whatever he told you about Allah, about Jannah, about the unseen, about the angels, whatever he told you from the revelation, you believe in what he told you. And you don't go against that with any means, by your intellect or by your feelings or by your any, any means at all. You don't oppose it. And that you only worship Allah the way that he showed you how to do it. And that's because there is no means to worship Allah Azza wa Jal except the way that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam showed you how to worship Allah. So there is no way to pray except the way he showed you how to pray. There is no way for you to make dhuhr any more or any less than four raka'at except for the traveler who prays too. There is no way for you to make maghrib any more or any less than three raka'at. There is no way for you to change what is read in the beginning of the salah or what is read at the end. Beginning the salah with Allahu Akbar and finishing it with Assalamu Alaikum wa Rahmatullah. You don't have any way to change the way that you worship Allah. You have to worship Allah the way the Prophet showed you how to worship Him. That is a summary of some of the rights of the Prophet and to add to that one is the right of loving Him more than you love anyone else because of his statement as is in the hadith of Anas radiallahu an la yu'minu ahadukum hatta akuna ahab ilayhi min walidihi wa waladihi wa nasi ajma'in none of you truly believes unless I am more beloved to him than his parents and his children and all of mankind even your own self so those are some of the rights of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam which we can speak about when we come to speak about the statement inna shani'aka huwa al-abtar the one who hates you is the one who is really being cut off from all good and also here we can talk about the importance of not opposing the sunnah of the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam with anything and that can include as we said any way that people oppose the sunnah either by their intellect where they say that you know whatever I whatever my my mind can understand that's what I take as the sunnah or the person who opposes the sunnah because they say it just doesn't feel right to me or the person who opposes the sunnah because of their desires and so on rather the sunnah of the Prophet is representative of him and a hatred of the sunnah is representative of a hatred of him sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and that's why uh, Imam al-Sa'di also when he came to this he said the one al-abtar, the one who hates you and the one who hates what you brought from al-huda wa-nur, the guidance and the light. This is the one who is cut off from every good, and this is the one who is cut off from passing down to his uh, offspring anything good. So inshallah ta'ala, I think that we can suffice ourselves with that except for the homework. <coughs> except for the homework, because we had a little bit of homework from last time. And that was that we were going to uh, 
find out about the surahs that begin with Qul. How many are there? Which, what are they? Since they're, if you're holding up, holding up five for me, then we can name them very easily because four of them come on one, in one part of the Qur'an and only one is separate. Okay, so I will ask, you pointed five. What are they? Surah Al-Jinn. قُلْ أُوحِيَ إِلَيَّ أَنَّهُ اسْتَمَعَ نَفَرٌ مِّنَ الْجِنِّ فَقَالُوا إِنَّا سَمِعْنَا قُرْآنًا عَجَبًا So Surah Al-Jinn, it starts with قُلْ And then Al-Ikhlas Al-Kafirun Surah Al-Falaq and Surah Al-Nas so, so if we go in order, Surah Al-Jinn Surah Al-Kafirun and then the last three surahs of the Qur'an did anyone have a think about how you could classify? And I'll tell you, I found one particular discussion on this. How would you break those up? Especially since they start with the word qul. In other words, why, why start them with the word qul? Any, anyone come up with anything? That could definitely be the case. Surah Al-Jinn and Surah Al-Nas could be put together because they both contain a discussion of uh, of the uh, or a discussion of the jinn or the unseen. Yeah. You could definitely do that. And Surah Al-Ikhlas and Kafirun, we said they go together. We can put those two together. That's, that's very good. I actually think that was very, very, as an excellent answer as well. That Qul has a special emphasis that the Prophet has been asked to say it, especially. Even though all of the Quran is, is from Allah that he's been asked to say, but why specifically these five surahs is he been asked to say? The, the classification that I found is that Surah Al Jinn and Surah Al Kafirun. And Surah Al-Ikhlas are all on the topic of a da'wah wa tabliq Giving da'wah and conveying the message. They all relate to giving da'wah and conveying the message. Qul huwallahu ahad is the response to a question that the Prophet was asked, describe your Lord to us. Qul huwallahu ahad. Qul ya ayyuhal kafirun addresses the disbelievers. Say to all of the disbelievers. So it's again a da'wah. Likewise, Surah Al-Jinn is also in that category. And Surah Al-Falaq and Surah Al-Nas refer to the importance of seeking refuge with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So some of them divided it that way. They said that Three of them relate to da'wah and conveying the message and him being told to convey the message, convey this message, convey this message. And two of them relate to protecting yourself and teaching people to protect themselves uh, when conveying that message. And that is 
one of the classifications that I found. But it's just interesting to think about and to try to like understand why these particular five surahs. And like I said, with things like this, don't take it too far. I don't take it so far that you're stretching so much that you don't have a basis for what you say and then you, you come up with something that isn't really grounded. But at the same time, it's from the tadabbur and tafakkur, the think, thinking and pondering upon the Qur'an, that you reflect upon the fact that there are only five surahs in the Qur'an that start with the word qul. And what makes those five? Is there a reason or all five response to a question? Three of them, yes, you could say, but two of them are more in emphasizing the protection, seeking the protection of Allah Azza wa Jal. And as the brother rightly said, Surah Al-Nas and Surah Al-Jinn both deal with the topic of the jinn also. Um, Surah Al-Ikhlas and Kafirun go together. So it's, there are pa parallels definitely. Did you have something also? The world of the unseen. The way we should act towards it. That's also very good. Three of them tell us about the world of the unseen, which is al-falaq and al-nas and al-jinn. And two of them tell us how we should believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's also an emphasis on the way that we believe and the way we worship Allah and our belief in the, in the world of the unseen. These are all very valid, inshallah. So we leave it there, inshallah ta'ala. And we continue bi idnillahi ta'ala next week. And Allah Azza wa Jalla knows best. Wa salatu wa salam ala Nabi Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Jazakumullah khairan for watching. Please subscribe, share, and you can visit muhammadtim.com.